When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 83, and we are recording on May 30th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Howdy doody! Hello! Happy day after Memorial Day! Oh, yes! Did you have an excellent... I did. I sat on the couch and I watched a lot of ridiculous TV and I ate a lot of food and it was glorious. Great. What about you? Um, same. My, uh, the boy's father took them off to a Memorial Day party and so... My friend Nikki came over and we we made tacos and drank a lot of beer and mm-hmm. got really tipsy and then got on Tinder, which is always an adventure. Oh boy! <laughs> we call it drunk tindering, which is where we get really drunk and then we sit down and judge people. And it's start like swiping. horrible. You... <laughs> it's horrible and it's it's just but it's fun. It's like a lot of fun, fun. until the next day when there are consequences. Like I oh, I matched with say, like forty oh, people gosh. that I don't remember talking to. This is not good. And then I have to very nicely be like no. I'm sorry. Oh, whoa. Yeah. So that's no. my drunk Tinder story. And now all of you know that I do that. It's Because it's fun. I don't care. So what are you reading, Jen? Well, what happened was I sat on my couch and watched a lot of ridiculous TV. I got uh-huh. sucked into black sales. And, like, I had all of these plans for reading. But then I was watching pirates do bad things to each other. Well, and I yes. was like, books, what are those? Not important. So I did start a book late last night, but it's too soon to tell if I want to talk about it or not. So I okay. have nothing for you. I I have a black sales recommendation. If you would like to watch pirates <laughs> and piratey people doing bad things to each other, people have been telling me about this show for forever. And like it has many problems, not going to lie, but also it's pirates. pirates so do with that what you will. What are you reading? <laughs> um, I just started, well, just started like, Several days ago, uh, Promise of Shadows by Justina Ireland, who is a book right contributor. And wrote this amazing YA fantasy novel about a, um, oh, what are they called? It's based on Greek mythology. The main character is a harpy. Oh, nice. Yes. And she has angered the god, the pantheon of the gods, um, somehow, well, not somehow, by killing one of them, uh, kind of on accident. And Oops. so she's sent to the underworld for her punishment for, like, the rest of eternity or whatever. And then she has to, you know, get out and figure out how she managed to kill this god and, like, her mazes, all of the, the Greek gods are in it. It's just a really, really... She had, like, the book opens with her, like, working on a chain gang. It's kind of low-key about racism. It's super fascinating. And oh. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, Justina is great. And nice. yeah, it's part of my backlist YA binge. I realized I like reorganized all of my physical TBR books, which is like a bookshelf plus another couple of bookshelves. <laughs> and I realized that like over half of it is random YA novels that I've just accumulated over the years and just mm-hmm. never got around to reading. And I'm sure like half of it, is, at least half of it is like, oh, pretty cover, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm working on that. And so that was part of this 
Nice. Or this was part of that. Anyway, all right. Well, that that was what we're reading. Now let's talk about what you're all reading because this is a reading recommendation show where you write in and ask us questions about what you should read next. It can be anything from what can my book club, what should my book club pick up for the next book, what should I get for my mom for her birthday, I just read this book and it left a hole in my heart, please recommend others like it, etc., etc. Uh, you can send the questions to us a couple ways. You can either email them to getbookedatbookriot.com or you can put them in the form that's at the bottom of the show notes on the site for every episode. If you have a time-sensitive request, please do write when you want the answer by, either in the subject line of the email or the first line of the form, and we will do our best to get to it. Um, if we have, if you've asked a question that we've answered before or is very similar to another question, um, we might email you a response. Or if we're not going to get to your time-sensitive question on air, we'll also try to email you a response. And uh, yeah, we have a long backlog of questions. We're working our way through them slowly but surely. Um, so the way this is going to work is I am going to read our first question, and then Amanda's going to tell you our first sponsor, and then away we will go. So our first question is from Erin, who says, My boyfriend and I are moving from New York to California this summer and are taking a three-week road trip to get there. Well, three weeks is a long time in a car. Uh, sorry, editorializing. <laughs> We're looking for audiobooks to help entertain us on the long driving days. We tend towards different genres as far as fiction goes, but we both love travel narratives. Bill Bryson is a favorite. And history. We were thinking it could be fun to have an audiobook roughly about where we're headed, but any audiobook tips would help. Some of our stops include Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Denver, Yellowstone, Grand Teton National Park, Lake Tahoe, and Big Sur. Thanks in advance. All right. Okay, uh, so our first sponsor is Amazon Kindle, who uh, is the proud presenting sponsor of the 2017 Scripps National Spelling Bee, a.k.a. The Greatest Night on ESPN, because yes... We all know that great spellers come from great readers, and a Kindle is a great way to encourage a child's emerging love for reading, especially as they start learning how to read chapter books by themselves without you know, your help sitting down and reading to them. Uh, a Kindle is a perfect for young readers uh, because they can bring thousands of books with them wherever they go without weighing down their backpack, which is a problem all of us remember from our school years. Um, and a single-purpose Kindle is designed just for reading. So you can give this to your child, it does, and it does not have access to video games. There's no apps. They can't watch TV on it. There are no distractions. It's just books. Uh, it supports comprehension and vocab, de uh, vocab development by automatically creating flashwords of flashcards of words that your your kid have looked up on the device and then reviews it reviews those flashcards with your child uh, in the future. It incorporates simple definitions in the margins above difficult words. And with the Kindle free time, parents can create personalized profiles for their kids and give them access to titles from your own library of books. And then you get sent a progress report that updates you on your child's reading habits. So data on data on data, if you're the kind of parent who likes that sort of thing, which I certainly am. So you can learn more about the ways that Kindle inspires a child's love of reading by visiting amazon.com slash Kindle for kids, all one word. And make sure to tune in to the Scripps National Spelling Bee Presented by Kindle, which is Thursday, June 1st, which is this week, Thursday, um, at 8 p.m. on ESPN. And thanks for sponsoring the show. Okay. Um, I will just keep going. Uh, my recommendation for you is Travels with Charlie by, uh, ooh, whoops, I didn't write it down, by John Steinbeck. Um, <laughs> I wrote the narrator of the audiobook. I'm not the, it's not by Gary Sinise. It's by John Steinbeck. It's narrated by Gary Sinise, who is an amazing narrator. So Travels with Charlie is on the road for adults. So in 1960, Steinbeck decided that he, you know, he had written like his masterpieces or whatever and decided he was like kind of losing touch with what he knew to be 
America, like the American spirit, it, you know, the civil rights movement was happening. There was a lot of stuff going on in California that he felt kind of out of touch with. So he decided he was going to go rediscover the American identity. And he did that by putting his dog, Charlie, who was a French poodle, which I just love, um, in his pickup truck, which was named Rosinante, which I also love. That's Don Quixote's, uh, Don Quixote's horse. And he went on this giant, huge, long road trip through 40 states. So he started off in like Long Island, I think. And then he goes on a northward trek through like Chicago and the upper um, Midwest and like Montana and all of those states. And then down, um, in, in, he lands in, Se- in Seattle, I think, on the West Coast. And then he goes down through California um, into Salinas, which is, of course, like, where he was born and is the setting for a lot of his books. Um, and then he moves back east through New Mexico and Arizona, Texas, and then all through the American South. Um, and he lands back in New York. Uh, so he does this like circular kind of road trip of pretty much the entire uh, American scene. Um, and along the way, he you know has a lot of colorful John Steinbeck commentary. If you've read any uh, Steinbeck, <laughs> then you know like how just brutally moving he can be, but also how like incisive and judgmental and kind of snarky in like a really satisfying sort of way uh he can be and plus there's a dog who does not die so if you require like if you would like to read a book where the dog does not die it's this one um but he hits a lot of the same places that you're gonna go on this road trip so i thought that would be a nice um read along so that's travels with charlie by john steinbeck a i did not realize that charlie was a french poodle so that's delightful (laughs) so good and b it wasn't gary sinise in the of mice and men movie yes Oh, yeah. Okay. So there, he's very Steinbeckian, apparently. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Okay. My pick for you is Blue Highways by William Least Heat Moon. I double checked. There is an audiobook. I haven't listened to it, so I'm not sure how good the narrator is. But I have super fond memories of this book from when I was a teenager and wanted to like go off and be. I, I had a big obsession with the beats, um, you know, like the very like Kerouac Ginsburg, like just take off and go see what's out there. Um, Man. <laughs> right? Like I know. <laughs> um, and so I found this book and it's about, so it's a memoir um, and William uh, loses his job in his marriage and he's broke and he's like got nothing to keep him where he is. So he decides to get on an atlas and take the blue highways, so not the federal roadways, which I think are usually red, but, like, he's going to take the back roads around America for as long as, like, he can put gas in his car. So he, like, he's going to sleep in the car, he's got, like, some cans of beans and a sleeping bag and a car, and this is what he's going to do. Um, and I, like, I really wanted to, like, take off and, and travel and see America, and that's what he's doing. Um, and because he's taking the back roads, he ends up in some places he's not expecting to end up. He meets all kinds of people he's not sure like are they gonna be down with him hanging out like where is he gonna sleep at night like it's a very road trip of the self and also of America kind of book which is which was super meaningful to me I haven't read it since I'm hoping it stands up well but I really I really it, it made a huge impact on me and I thought what a cool book to read like while you're actually driving around you're probably not gonna take the back roads but you know whatever um so that's Blue Highways by William Least Heat Moon. Okay, question two is from Elizabeth, who says, I'm headed to Nova Scotia this summer on my honeymoon, and I'm very excited. I'm starting to read books with ties to the province, uh, The Book of Negroes by Lawrence Hill and The Birth House by Ami McKay, which I very much enjoy. I'm really open to any type of literature, but would like to see a bit less historical fiction as I'm already reading some of the trip. Additionally, I would like to read a bit less on Cape Breton, as that is the only part of Nova Scotia that we will not get much time to see. 
Okay, well, I missed the historical fiction part of that question, and I am sorry. But I love this book so much. Uh, so it's Anne of the Island by Ellen Montgomery, which I feel like is kind of a cheat because it's both a classic and is also the third in the series. But it's so great. So this is the third book in the Anne of Green Gables series. I, Anne Shirley, I don't need to explain the plot of Anne of Green Gables to you. But in this third book, she is um, leaving uh, Prince Edward Island, where she has grown up, and is moving to Nova Scotia to go to college, to go to Redmond College to learn to be a teacher, but she also secretly, not so secretly, wants to be a famous writer. Um, and she just, like, has great adventures in Nova Scotia. Like, her her old friends, some of her old friends come with her. Um, she meets some new kind of goofy characters. Also, my OTP has their first, like, big mega uh, romantic interlude in this book, <laughs> Anna Gilbert. Like, I love them so much. Um, he, you know, as you can tell from starting from the first book of the series, he has a huge crush on her, but Anna's like just not having it for several books. Um, and then in this one, it kind of like comes to a head and there's this big, whatever. She gets proposed to by a guy you're going to hate. There's just a lot happens. And the Nova Scotia setting, uh, Ella, uh, Montgomery's like really, really great at the romantic and beautiful kind of point of view of those areas of Canada. Like Prince Edward Island is so mytho mythologized. How would you even say that? Mythical? Whatever. It's like, yeah, it's mythical in the Anne of Green Gable series. And she does the same thing um, for Redmond College and for Nova Scotia in this particular book. So that's Anne of the Island, which is the third book of the Anne of Green Gable series. Yes, you do need to have read the first two to understand what's going on. That's by L.M. Montgomery. I do love your love for Anne. It's so great. <laughs> oh, I have a lot of feelings about the new show. Oh, I bet you do. I know. <laughs> Are they good feelings? Mixed feelings? Give us a teaser. Oh, I like it. It's not it's not Anne of Green Gables. Like okay. it's not the book at all. But I like it as like an Anne adjacent. Property. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, okay, my pick for you is a graphic novel. I picked Mercury by Hope Larson, which I have on Hold Up the Library. Like, I'm waiting for it to be available for me to pick up. Um, but I double-checked with a couple friends who had read it, and they all said it was definitely worth reading. And also, the plotline is so good, and it takes place in Nova Scotia. So I feel like it's perfect for you. Um, the storyline is that it there's there's two there's the there's a historical and a present day. So the historical uh, timeline starts in August of 1859, um, and there's a girl named Josie who's out picking blackberries, and then a stranger comes knocking on the door of her house, and he is there because he the woods belong to the family, but the stranger thinks that there's gold there, um, and he has like a secret way of finding it, and so he makes a deal with Josie's father that you know he'll cut him in on the deal. If, if he will let, if the father will let him prospect on their land. Um, but of course, things are not always as, as they seem, and this stranger has like dark secrets. Uh, and then the present day storyline is a girl named Tara who lives in a beautiful neighborhood um, and beautiful house, and it's burning down. Like, it's the house is, has burned down. And she is a descendant of Josie. So the book, the story switches back and forth between the two of them. And I love Hope Larson. She's done a ton of great things. Um, she is the artist who did the Wrinkle in Time adaptation. Ooh. And yeah, right? And she's done like a bunch of other stuff too, like Goldie Vance, which is super good. And she worked on Batman a little, Batgirl, excuse me, a little bit. Like she's, she's fantastic. And she is Canadian. So it's like a, you know, she, she, she knows whereof she writes and draws. So that is Mercury by Hope Larson. 
Okay, next question is from Britain, who says, I joined a Postal Santa giveaway on Litzy that I have to send out before June 21st, and the person I got is really into magical realism. I don't want to make the mistake of sending her a super super popular book in this genre. Can y'all recommend some magical realism books that maybe fell under the radar and aren't as well known? Uh, Mando, you go. Okay, uh, I picked Signal to Noise by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, which is a magical realism YA novel, kind of urban fantasy set in the 80s. It's tons of fun. It's by a small press and only has about 300 reviews on Goodreads, so I think it's a fair bet that she's she's not heard of it. Um, so it takes place in, well, two time frames. It starts off uh, present-day Mexico City, uh, like 2009, I think, and then jumps back and forth between that time period and Mexico City in 1988 or 89. Um, and there are three main characters, Mercedes, Sebastian, and Daniela. They're 15 in the 1988 time frame. Um, they're very awkward teenagers. They're not popular. Um, they all have, like, crushes on unattainably popular and attractive people. They all have kind of broken homes. They're misfits. Um, and all they really have is, like, each other. And then Mercedes discovers that she has a magical ability to cast spells using her vinyl records. Uh, and then so with the help of her three friends, she goes about trying to use this ability to improve their lives, like fix their broken homes, um, love spells kind of stuff. Uh, Cause you know, they're 15. And if you discover that you have the ability to change your life at 15, who wouldn't do that? Something not so great happens. Um, and then in 2009, Mercedes is returning to Mexico city from whence she has fled. Um, she's coming back because her father from whom she was estranged has died and there's a funeral. Uh, and then upon her return, she has to like cope with her family who she hasn't been around in years. And she also runs into these two childhood friends, um, and then has to deal with the fallout that no, that none of them ever addressed after, you know, the results of what they did in the eighties with this new magical ability have kind of manifested. So, uh, there's lots of like jumping back and forth in time. The magical realism part is really great because like casting spells with the Beatles is just hilarious and fun. Um, and it's just a really great read. So that's Signal to Noise by Sylvia Marino Garcia. Co-sign that one. Uh, which I read because of you, Amanda. Oh, for yay. the record. So good. All right, my pick for you is Safe as Houses by Marie-Helene Bertino, which I got obsessed with back when I was a bookseller. And every time somebody came in and was, like, wanting Kelly Link, I was like, and also, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) you need this one, too. Um, Also, you know, Kelly Link is amazing at magical realism, but I feel like she's pretty well known for it. So Safe as Houses is a debut story collection. It's from a small press. And I didn't even think to check, but it only has 56 reviews on Goodreads, so if that's, like, a measure of how under the radar it is. It's pretty under the radar. And these stories are so funny and smart and weird. Um, there is a, a story where uh, uh, somebody, uh, the main character, like, wins a ham in, like, a grocery store, you know, raffle, and her house has burned down, and she goes to the grocery store, like, while she's still in shock and, like, is refusing to accept the ham and has this very, like, surreal, like, Kafka-esque conversation with the grocery store clerk who's just like, oh, my gosh, just take this stupid ham. Um, There's another one where uh, the main character brings home Bob Dylan for Thanksgiving, like you do. No, no, NBD. Um, There's (laughs) another one where the main character is having dinner with her idealized version of her ex-boyfriend, who's, like, not the real guy, but he's, like, physically manifested the ideal version. And, well, I don't want to spoil it. But anyway, there's a twist. Um, 
And the books are just, there's another one where there's an alien who's like working as a receptionist um, and nobody notices that she's an alien and she's like faxing details back to her home planet. They're just really bizarre. They're really funny. They're really well written. I, I love all of them. Like I read this book years ago and the stories are still super fresh in my mind. Like I can, I can tell you details without having to, you know, double check them. So I, I think it's really, really great. Um, and I think she would probably like it very much. So that's Safest Houses by Marie-Helene Bertino. Uh, if y'all are hearing, like, a random bouncing sound, it's because my pit bull has just found, like, a Kong toy that she <laughs> hid under the sofa and has pulled it out and is throwing it across the room. Oh, and, good. and making it bounce so that she can chase it. And she's, like, too far away for me to go grab it. So I'm hoping she just, like, calms down in a second. And I apologize for that. She was sleeping soundly. Alas, Aww. that is no longer what's happening. Okay, question four is from Madison. Who says, um, let's see, I have finally decided to dive in. Oh, wait, nope. I'm reading the wrong thing. Okay. Uh, I've been wanting to ask this question for a while, but I've struggled with how to pose it because I don't want to sound like a bad person or someone who isn't accepting of others. Uh, I finally decided to just dive in because I feel like this is a thing that's prevalent in the world right now. I'm a white upper middle class 22 year old who has never really wanted for much. I try not to take that for granted, and I'm a very strong progressive who empathizes with other races, cultures, religion, etc., especially in this horrible political time. But I'm finding myself only picking up books that are about people similar to me, and I absolutely hate it. I really want to expand my reading list to include books by authors or about characters of other races, cultures, genders, and religions, but for some reason, I can never seem to find ones that I find accessible. I'm I'm open to any suggestions and hope asking this question doesn't make me sound like too much of a jerk. It does not make you sound like a jerk. I think this is a really worthy kind of thing to embark on so rest assured no judgment from (laughs) from our Uh, everybody has to start somewhere okay so i'm just keep going my pick for you is listen slowly by tanha lai which i selected because it's a middle grade book so if you're having trouble with accessibility um a middle grade novel is like a great place to start it doesn't i'm not not saying that it's like dumbed down or anything it's a great story but it's about a, a little kid she's like 12 i think uh she's her name is mai she was born in california and has lived in California her whole life. Her parents are Vietnamese. Her grandmother, who lived in Vietnam for most of her life, lives with them in California. Um, And they're going on kind of a vacation. Her grandmother is taking my back to Vietnam, back to like the village where she lived when she was married so that she can find out what actually happened to her husband, who is Mai's grandfather, during the Vietnam War. Um, He was, as far as she knows, killed in the war. She hasn't seen him since, since then, but never got any closure of any kind. Um, and doesn't doesn't actually know if he's dead, how he died, or where, or what happened. Um, so she's hired like a private detective to find out what happened to her husband. And Mai's parents think that this trip is a great like opportunity for their daughter um, to learn more about her culture and her roots. But Mai is like a very typical American like twelve year old girl. She has her first crush on a boy. She was really looking forward to like spending the summer on the beach with her best friend. Um, she does not want to go to Vietnam. She doesn't speak Vietnamese. She doesn't know anything about the country. She doesn't care. Like she just doesn't care. So she feels like she's just wasting her summer. Um, and so while she's there, she develops like this just really touching empathy for her grandmother. Like she goes there kicking and screaming and doesn't want to be there at all. She's, you know, surly and obnoxious for the first couple pages or first couple chapters really, um, as they settle Vietnam for the summer, and she meets some of her uh, distant relatives who she doesn't know anything about and doesn't care because she just wants to go home. Um, But then the longer that she's there, the more Vietnamese she picks up. Um, She starts to recognize pieces of the culture that her parents have brought over to the U.S., and she starts to develop empathy for her grandmother's situation of having left this place that she 
grew up in and having to flee to the U.S. without her husband, who she doesn't know, you know, what happened to and hasn't known for 40 years. So it's a it's a nice coming of age story of a girl uh, learning about what to her is a foreign culture, but is in reality, you know, like where her family comes from. So I picked that because it's told from the perspective of an American girl who is very privileged in her upbringing um, and is completely uninterested in learning anything about this culture, um, despite the fact that her family comes from this country. And then she develops a love for it as the book goes on. So that's Listen Slowly by Tan Halai. All right. I picked The Fortunes by Peter Ho Davies, which I did just finish last week and is really super good. Um, it reminded me a bit of Homegoing in that it is multi-generational, but where Homegoing is like really dense and a little bit scary, this one is much slimmer. It's only got four generations and they have sort of complete storylines. And so I thought this might be like a nice... Uh, starting point for you. Um, It is about uh, the Chinese in America. Um, So the very first story takes place after the Civil War when the railroads are being built largely by Chinese workers. And the main character, uh, whose name is Ling, is actually like a a valley, a manservant, like I don't know exactly the right word, um, for a guy who is, uh, you know, it's like a banker who's investing in the railroads. And so um, he is really, he started out in a laundry um, and like his everyday interactions on the page are very much like, this is what it was like to be on the West Coast and to be Chinese, uh, to be an immigrant and to be trying to like prove to, to white people that you are like a human being basically um so that one's that that story is pretty i mean those stories are all pretty heavy but it's really well narrated um and it was like it's so atmospheric like you get really drawn in and then the second storyline which might have been my favorite was about um based on historical person uh chinese the first chinese american movie star so she grew up in america um as a chinese american and was like obsessed with film as a young girl but this is like you know, this is, I'm trying to remember the exact timeline. It's very early um, in uh, Hollywood. It's like the 30s. Yeah, it's the 30s. Um, And so she is only allowed to play either like, you know, the butterfly, like very virginal and nobody, (laughs) and and also they're not allowed to kiss on screen. Like there are actual laws because there were miscegenation laws at the time. Um, So nobody can kiss her on screen. Um, And so there's that. And then, you know, or she can be like the dragon lady who's like very, you know, the villainous. Um, and, And so she's struggling with these strictures on her career and trying to build a career anyway. And then there is, um, a, it's this one was a rough one. It's based on a real thing that happened where two white men in Detroit killed a, a Chinese American because he looked Japanese to them, and it was mm. about like you know Japan taking away auto manufacturing jobs from Detroit, which is obviously that's not really what it was about. It's about racism. Mm. Um, but so and it was the it, the storyline is told from the friend who was there the night that this guy was killed, um, and the fourth story is about a couple 
the husband of whom is Chinese American, who are adopting a little girl from China because they can't have a child of their own. So it's really, it's like, you know, four sort of vignettes. Um, the people aren't related, but there are through lines that tell the story, you know, that connect the different stories to each other. And it's it's really well done. It's intense. Like, it, it is, it, it's a very gripping story. Um, and it's not an easy read, but it's a really worthwhile one. And I, I just, I think it's great. I think everybody should read it. Um, but yeah, I thought it might be because it has like some nice transitions and some really dif- different kinds of characters and it, you know, spans a couple time frames. Like it, it definitely will keep you interested. So that's The Fortunes by Peter Ho Davies. Oh, and it's time for our next sponsor, which is also me. I'm just going to keep talking here. <laughs> yeah, it's me. So our next sponsor is Not a Sound by Heather Gudenkoff, uh, which is about a nurse named Amelia Wynn who in the course of a tragic accident, loses her hearing. Um, And this causes her then to become very depressed, and uh, she loses her job and her husband, and now it's two years later. um, She's got a hearing dog. She's getting back on her feet. Like, she's trying to, you know, put her life back together. And then she discovers a dead body in the by the river. Uh, this is a mystery, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> and it's the body of a fellow nurse. So even worse. Um, so she gets sucked into this mystery, trying to figure out like what happened. And in the meantime, she's also like trying to make her way in the world now as a deaf person. Uh, so intense mystery uh, with a, a, a character who is deaf, which is not you don't see that very often. Um, and the author Heather is Edgar award nominated which is a very good uh, mystery award if you are not aware um, and she has also uh, dealt with hearing impairment so it's an own voices book which is always great to see uh, so that is Not a Sound by Heather Gudenkoff which you want to pick up if you like mysteries if you're interested in more representation on the page um, and just like I don't know nurse mysteries like that sounds like a thing I'm gonna like so <laughs> so that's Not a Sound by Heather Gudenkoff all right and then our next question also me is from Laura, who says, I am in a new true crime book club and would love some suggestions. The first book we read was The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule, which made for lots of interesting slash morbid discussion. <laughs> what are some ideas for future reading? All right, Amanda. What a cool idea for a book club, first yeah, of all. Yeah, I, I would not survive that. No. <laughs> okay, so I went into this question assuming you're going to read a lot of books about murders. Um, so I picked one that was not a, about a murder because you're probably going to get a lot of those. So my pick for you is A Burglar's Guide to the City by Jeff Manaw. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, but it's so fascinating. It's a book about the intersection of architecture and city planning and burglary. So it's a look at how oh, he uses like different uh, burglars and robbers from across uh, like hundreds of years of architectural history. Uh, but it's a really short book for all of that. It's only like I think like three hundred pages. Um, and he talks about how they how burglars look at architecture through eyes that city planners and you know construction workers and regular architects don't see through, but probably should learn how to. And how some of the best burglars in history have been kind of disgraced architects or like betrayers of the great architectural whatever i don't know um honor whatever um and so the whole his whole point here is that 
burglars don't know how to use buildings properly. Like they don't know how to use windows and doors like normal human beings. Um, (laughs) What they do is like put holes in walls and make, create tunnels and like crawl through ventilation shafts and break into panic rooms and get stuck in elevators and like get buried in bank vaults. And it's a kind of a, there's a lot of stories about like burglaries gone wrong. Um, The most fascinating chapter to me is when he goes on, a fly along with the LAPD air support division, which is their uh, helicopter unit. And LAPD is, I mean, uh, LAPD, the LA is a city designed for bank robbers. Like with their, uh, like banks are usually at the bottom. I didn't know this, but banks are usually at the bottom of an off ramp. And so people who are robbing banks can just like pull off on the off ramp, rob the bank, and they get back on LA's really huge gluttonous freeway system and be gone well before the cops ever come. Um, And so he talks about like, that thing about city planning. And then he goes on this, this air right along with the, um, the chopper units of the LAPD and the things that they can tell from the air about like, well, that building's going to be broken into because of like the stuff that the people have stacked up in the backyard or like somebody's tunneled through that back door because of like, they leaned something up against it to hide it or whatever. But like the thing is you can tell from the air about, um, architecture and burglary really fascinating anyway it's just really really fascinating and a, and a look it'll make you look at like both your house and every building you walk into is like a should i alarm all of these things it's a really really <laughs> there's lots of things to talk about so that's a burglar's did, guide to the city by jeff Mano. did you like start scoping out your own home once you finished I reading do, this I mean, i'm a lady who lives by herself so i have a pit bull and a home alarm system already yeah so it's like i feel fine about it but it is very much like should I give this to my neighbors? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who like do stack you know boxes and stuff up by their back windows and would make it really mm. easy to just hop on up and onto roofs because that's what they do. They like if you leave pallets in a in a backyard or if businesses stack pallets out by like their dumpsters, burglars will use those to create makeshift makeshift ladders and crawl up onto your roof and then crawl down through your ventilation system instead nice. of doors. Instead of like just breaking through a window, they will do this elaborate thing. I can't remember what it was called, but I saw a show once that was, like, it was a guy who was a professional burglar, and now he was, like, hired by the show to, like, go, it was, like, a reality show, and he'd, like, go break into the businesses who signed up for the show Mm. and, like, show them all of the flaws in their security, but also, like, destroy some property in the meantime. (laughs) I was like, what is, who's paying for this? This is crazy. Did your Um, insurance agree to this? (laughs) Yeah, I know, like, people, but people sign up for this. Anyway, okay. Um, I yeah i don't read any true crime if i can help it because the more realistic a murder is in a fictional novel the more it freaks me out so like actual things that have had to happen to actual people are not in my wheelhouse however i have a friend stephanie who you might know as bookivore on the twitters um who loves true crime and so i went to her and i asked her what she would recommend for a book club specifically and she recommended true crime addict by james renner which is a combination true crime story and memoir so it's a little bit meta for you so the author james renner um was 11 and there was uh he there were like this girl went missing in his town and he became like obsessed with her um and that turned into a lifelong obsession of true crime and he became an investigative journalist um and also managed to like get some post-traumatic stress disorder about this um and so So then he, in 2011, he started researching the disappearance of this woman, Maura Murray. Um, This is like all real. Uh, So he started researching this and he uncovered what he felt was like 
clues and important new information, but also kept putting himself in increasingly dangerous situations with, like, little regard for his own safety. Um, And this led to, like, a spiral of him, like, you know, kind of losing track of his personal life and getting super absorbed into this. And so the book is about both his investigation into Maura Murray's disappearance and, like, how his obsession with true crime has changed his life, uh, not necessarily for the better. So it's it's a book about people who love true crime, it's a book about a true crime, and it's a book about, like, what happens when you maybe get a little too invested in true crime. So there's a lot, I feel like, that you could talk about in your book club, for sure. So that's True Crime Addict by James Renner. Okay, question six is from Hannah. Uh, Hannah says, I have an awesome little sister who has autism and severe dyslexia. She's a gamer and a movie fanatic, but it's been a struggle to get her to read. Since traditional books intimidate her due to her dyslexia, I introduced her to comics and she's hooked. Can you recommend some comic series that are appropriate and easy to read? I'm not big into comics myself, so I'm a little lost. She loves the Sonic the Hedgehog series, so any comments, comics that are gaming related is a bonus. Thank you for helping me share my love of reading with my little sister. Okay, uh, we have a post on the site that when our contributor Charlotte wrote that called comics about gaming. So I will leave a link to that in the show notes for you. Um, as far as recommendations, I went with In Real Life by Cory Doctorow and Jen Wang. You didn't mention how old your sister is, so I'm not sure. You might want to flip through this one. And anyway, it's 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 a kind of a it's a YA comic. So if she's a young adult or a teenager. Um, I'd say maybe like 12 and older. This is probably fine. Uh, It's about a 16-year-old girl. I think she's 16. She's a teenager, whatever. The main character's name is Anda. Um, She begins playing this MMRPG uh, online called Course Gold online. And so she gets really into gaming. She develops like a community there. She meets friends. She becomes like a leader and a warrior in this, uh, you know, virtual world. Um, And then she gets roped into being, uh, into like, killing, not actually killing, but in the game, killing what they call gold farmers, which are um, people who illegally collect valuable objects in the game and then sell them for real money to players who who are wealthy, basically, and have money to burn. This is a real thing that happens in the gaming community, so if your sister has, like, encountered that at all, she might be familiar with the concept. So Anda... um, is like joins up with these other people who are wiping out gold farmers in the game, but then she ends up befriending one who's a, a kid who's in China. He's very poor. He can't work because of a back injury. He doesn't have any health insurance, and so this is what he's doing to like make ends meet and support his family is being a gold farmer. He's collecting valuable objects in the game and selling them to people for money. Um, it's strictly against the rules, and but Anda realizes that like those rules are maybe, not maybe, but like are very prejudiced against people who come from poor countries. And it's an eye-opening experience for her and really introduces her to like her privilege and racism um, and the idea of what it's like to maybe not live in a place where your every whim is catered to because you're not in actual poverty. Um, So it's about kind of her political awakening. There are a lot of really touching feminist moments. She has um, a lot of... I mean, she's not, she's, she has a lot of privilege, but she's not obnoxious about it. It's just about a girl who doesn't know what she has and doesn't know to be grateful for it until she encounters somebody who has less. And then she uh, kind of develops like a little bit of activism through this game. So there's a lot going on here. Um, it's a, really a, a great comic about the value of social media and, and online and gaming communities. So um, if your sister's gotten involved in that kind of stuff, then I think she will really appreciate this. So that's In Real Life by Cory Doctorow and Jen Wang. 
All right. Yeah, I wasn't sure her age, so I went a little younger, just in case. Um, as so I yeah, so I picked the Amulet series by Kazu Kibuishi, who is the artist, by the way, who did all of the newer Harry Potter covers. So you know, super good at art, super good at drawing stuff. Um, but he's got his own graphic novel series that he wrote, Andrew, and the first one in the Amulet series is called The Stonekeeper, and it is about two siblings who are. So okay, so I'll I'll warn you that the book starts off very Disney esque. Like the opening scene is they're on the family's on this road trip, and then there's a car accident, and their dad dies, and it's like on it's super sad. Um, very, I was like, oh, I'm in a Disney movie suddenly. Oh, <laughs> but then so then the book picks up a couple of years later when the mom and the two kids are moving to this big house out in the country that's like you know a family owned property that nobody has lived in since they're eccentric great uncle died um who also nobody knows what happened to him like one day he just disappeared but he's super old and everybody just figures he's dead um so the family moves into the house and oh great grandfather not great uncle um and but then of course the house is not as it seems there are supernatural things living in the house and then their mom gets kidnapped by this like giant tentacled supernatural creature and <laughs> it turns and it goes through a door in the basement that leads them into this completely different world so there and in the meantime uh M who's the older girl um has found a necklace that has strange powers um and somebody is like talking to her in her head about what she can do with the necklace so it's a there's a bunch of stuff going on they have to rest rescue their mom and has to figure out like how the necklace works and what's the right way to use it. There's this pink bunny and like a bunch of robots companions and some flying airships and lots of creepy monsters and it's very actiony and ventury. Um, there are a decent number of words on the page but the stories are also very... I mean, excuse me, the pictures are tell a lot of the story, too, so hopefully it won't be too much for her um, in terms of her dyslexia. But yeah, it's, 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 it's very engaging. It's very adventury. It would actually make a great game. I mean, it's not about gaming, but it would make a good one. Um, so I thought that might be a good fit. So that is The Stonekeeper, the first in the Amulet series by Kazu Kibuyushi. Okay. Let's see. Is it me? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, the next question is from Shannon, who says, All my life I've been interested in pursuing a career related to books and literature. Somewhere along the way I got off track, but having just turned 25, I'm inspired to return to that original goal. I'm looking for books about books. I'm hoping to find more inspiration from books about people working in different careers related to literature. I read your recommendation, The Rabbit Back Literature Society, which is all about reading, and loved it. All right, Amanda. Okay, um, my pick for you is My Life with Bob by Pamela Paul, which just came out. Uh, wait, let me double check that. Yes, okay, it came out on May 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> I got sent it for review, and so I didn't know if I, whatever. Um, anyway, so this is a memoir by Pamela Paul, who is the um, editor of the New York Times Book Review. And it's when she says My Life with Bob, Bob is what she calls her book of books, which is a, a record that she's kept in a single notebook since she was 16 of every book that she has read with the title and author, and that's it. Like, she records the date she read it, the title, and the author, and, and nothing else. Um, and so there's no, like, essays or reviews or anything. It's just a record of her reading life. And so this is a, a memoir told through the point of view of her book of books. So she every essay in it is, like, a, about a book that she read in an important time of her life and how it affected her during those moments. 
That said, it's actually a travel memoir. So it is about her, her, like, her reading life, but it's, it's actually about, like, I read The Trial when I was a student in France. Um, or I read Anna Karenina when I was at a cafe and almost got kidnapped by the mafia in Italy, which is real. That actually did almost happen to her. Um, the books that she read when she was in China, that kind of stuff. Um, which makes it sound kind of obnoxious, and it's totally not. Like, she's very much like a poor young adult traveling. So this is not about like her luxurious life of, of traveling the world. It's about like being broke and getting trapped in China on accident, like that kind of thing. Um, and the, the literary stuff is really, really fascinating. Her taste in books. I expect I went into this. Okay. This is like a personal failing. I went into this book <laughs> expecting it to be super snooty and just yeah. like, you know, cause the New York times review or book review, whatever. Um, but it's not, she's, she's engaging. She's very charming. Like her taste in books runs a very wide and interesting uh, gamut. She has a really big, uh, love for children's literature and young adult literature, which she talks about at the end of the book she's in. I don't know if you've read, um, the happiness project by Gretchen Rubin, where Gretchen Rubin talks about, uh, deciding that, you know what, she didn't care about literary snobbishness. She was going to start like a YA and children's lit book club. She's in that book club with Gretchen Rubin. Um, oh man. Yeah. Right. Famous um, people hanging out. They do. There's just book people just all up, especially in New York. Um, mm-hmm. and so it follows her from that young adult time period, uh, of traveling through her first failed marriage onto her second marriage. And it also follows her career. So she starts off as like a, a free, she's a history major at Jen. I think that you would like find a lot to relate to. I mean, you are really, you're really selling me this book. Previously, I did not care. It's really great. Like, and the stuff about her divorce, you will have feelings about. And so she, um, she starts off, she's a history major. She graduates, doesn't want to teach, doesn't know what she wants to do. Ends up being a freelance writer. And then eventually lands a gig uh, editing the children's section of the New York uh, of the New York Times book review, and then climbs her way up into uh, being the editor in chief, which I think she's still doing now. Um, so it's very much about a literary career and a literary life, and a very bookish, nerdy girl uh, growing up to be one of the most influential voices in modern criticism. So that's my life of my life with Bob by Pamela Palm. I went oldie time for this. <laughs> <laughs> oldie time. And, and I haven't talked about it yet this year, so I'm giving myself a pass. It's Parnassus on Wheels by Christopher Morley, which is one of the most charming and delightful books about loving books that I have read. Um, it is about a woman named, oh gosh, I've forgotten everybody's name. Well, the main character is this woman, Helen, right, Helen, who is uh, keeping house for her brother, who is a writer, and he is constantly wandering off to go, like, be inspired by nature, and doesn't, you know, he doesn't do any of his own chores, and he he's just not around, and he comes home, and he's ready to eat, and, like, her life is making sure that his life works. Um, and then one day, while he's out, like, walking about, getting inspired, this guy pulls up with a wagon full of books, because he wants to sell her brother, the um the his his book business with like his traveling bookstore and she is like oh heck no like (laughs) i'm gonna buy this from you and i will go have adventures and he can do his own laundry and cook his own dinner um and the guy who's uh, roger whose bookstore it is is like um that's maybe not a great idea and she's like whatever i'm gonna do it and so she does she gives him the money and she wanders off to have adventures and sell people books and he like follows her to make sure she's okay and hijinks ensue it's very adorable and like every other sentence in this book is basically an epigram about how great books are like it really is just a a delightful rompy 
ode to how wonderful books are. Um, whatever kind of books they are. Like, that's one of the nice things, too, because she's, like, she she visits all these little families who are far-flung to give them, you know, an opportunity to buy books, and they all need something different, and she tries to figure out what that is. Uh, so, which is very, that's, like, what book selling is, basically, mm-hmm. um, unless you're an algorithm. So that's Parnassus on Wheels by Christopher Morley. And you can get the adorable Melville House uh, little oh, novella. Yes, so they're cute. so pretty. They're so pretty. And there's a sequel called The Haunted Bookshop that's much more, it's longer, but it's also very good. Okay. Our last question is from Jill, who says, I recently spent a glorious 48 hours on a spontaneous trip to Manhattan and have not been able to stop thinking about it. I'm convinced there's an alternate universe somewhere where I happily live there. But alas, in this universe, I live in rural Pennsylvania. I, so, let's see. Since I got home, I devoured Inside the Apple, a streetwise history of New York City, and was hoping you had some other recommendations that could help me recapture the magic of my trip and live vicariously until I can plan another trip back. Okay, I went with a classic for this uh, for this question, Breakfast at Tiffany's by Truman Capote. If you've seen the movie, it is like that, but a little, not a little, much grittier. Um, so it does capture that like magic of New York City, and it is about a girl from Texas, from Tulip, Texas, Lulamay, who flees her life where she's gotten married at like 14. She flees her marriage in Texas and runs off to New York to kind of make it for herself. Um, in The biggest difference, I think, between the book and the movie is that in the book, uh, Holly Golightly is much more obviously a prostitute. Like, it's kind of obvious in the movie, in the book, she's, huh. she's a hooker. Like I never picked up on that. Yeah, like, the book is not, you know, subtle about it. She might also be in the mafia. She has, like, some mob ties. Um, so it's it's darker. It's certainly darker. Um, but she, you know, it, it still has that same, like, when she gets the mean reds, she goes to Tiffany's to make herself feel better kind of stuff. She develops that friendship with Fred the same way that she does in the movie. There's Cat, Like, all of the characters that you loved from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Her upstairs neighbor, who is portrayed so horribly, racistly, and awful <laughs> by Mickey Rooney uh, in the movie, is like a fully fleshed out living human being with dignity and agency in the book, which is a nice change. Um, and it's just a classic, I think, of, of Manhattan and of, of coming to Manhattan escaping a past you don't want and looking for something bigger and brighter and the, like the, the things that people go through to make that kind of dream happen for themselves. So that's Breakfast at Tiffany's by Truman Capote. I had so many books I wanted to recommend to you for this, um, but I got kind of stuck on this idea of like alternate universes where we have different lives. And that's not exactly what this book is, but bear with me. So Rich and Pretty by Ruman Alam, which I love, um, is about two young women who are in New York And they have been friends since they're, like, tweens um, and are now approaching uh, their their late 20s or early 30s. um, And they have, like, very diverging lives. So Sarah, who is the daughter of, like, a prominent intellectual who does, like, consulting for the government and her mother is this very beautiful uh, and well-regarded socialite, um, is working at a charity because she's got lots of family money and doesn't really have to have a real job. Um, And she's planning her wedding. She's about to get married. And then Lauren, her best friend, who is very pretty um, and very independent and not wealthy, is working in publishing, um, trying to make ends meet in, in a very expensive city and also climb her way up this publishing ladder. Like, she has a goal. She's trying to get to it. Um, she's dating on the side, but nothing serious. And they're each struggling to, like, stay friends as their lives start to look more and more different. Like, the differences that don't matter so much when you're 12 become really obvious in your late 20s. And in the meantime, 
all of the stresses of the wedding are like bringing out these, you know, sort of pressure points in their friendship. So I, I thought it might, I mean, and it's a very New York-y book. Like there's lots of scenes on the streets in New York that having lived there, I can verify are like pretty legit. Um, and uh, and it, it's a really interesting look about how, you know, personalities and life circumstances can send you off in different directions and like how that makes you feel about what other people are choosing. Uh, so I, I don't know. It felt like the right book for this, even though there are like 14 million potential right books for you for this one. But this is the one I picked. So that's Rich and Pretty by Ruman Alam. And that's our show. Huzzah! Uh, huzzah! Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please do, if you have a moment, leave us a review on iTunes. We love to hear your feedback, and it also helps other folks to find the show. Thank you so much to our sponsors, and you can also find us on social media. I'm Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, IRL, and Amanda is I'm Amanda Nelson, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.